Praise God. Next Sunday is Resurrection Sunday. Every Sunday, every day is Resurrection Day. And uh, next week, the 9 o'clock classes will be held. And worship will begin at 1030. So I'm sure a lot of great things are in store that they haven't even told me about. I'm going to go off this. this. This has an echo. Should I just grab the handheld? Okay. Would you turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 19? Luke chapter 19, beginning at verse 28. And the New King James Version reads, When he had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. And it came to pass when he drew near to Bethpage and Bethany at the mountain called Olivet that he sent two of his disciples saying, go into the village opposite you where as you enter you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Loose it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you loosing it? Thus you shall say to him, because the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went their way and found it just as he had said to them. But as they were loosing the colt, the owners of it said to them, why are you loosing the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of him. Then they brought him to Jesus. And they threw their own clothes on the colt, and they set Jesus on him. And as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. Then, as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd. Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Oh my, I have to... That worship today, I really need help to preach today. But we have a praying church. So pray with me on the subject of I'd rather be a donkey than a Pharisee. I'd rather be an equus Africanus Asinus than a Pharisee. Let us pray. Lord, thank you that you do speak to us. And even before I ask you to speak through me, I just want to thank you for speaking to me. Thank you for how good and how practical your word is. It's sweeter than the honey that is found in the honeycomb. Thank you, Lord, that you are not a man that you should lie. 
Your word is yea and amen. It's settled in heaven. It will never return to you void. It's amazing that these things were written, recorded, and even preserved for millennium so that we could understand your mind and your heart for us. Thank you for these great stories that remind us that there's nothing new under the sun and that the same God who was with these men and women in days of old, or you are with us even now. So Lord, would you be the teacher? Would you bring the application? And would you all give us the desire to do what is in your word? We thank you and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Jesus once said, the poor you will have with you always. And I like to say there's another group that we'll have with us always as well. Not only will we have the poor with us always, but we'll have haters with us always. A hater is someone who hates to see you prosper. A hater is someone who can't stand to see you blessed. A hater is a critic. A hater is someone who hides in the cracks and crevices and they come out when God decides to bring you out but rather than giving God glory for how he has blessed and promoted and encouraged your life, they're there to find fault. They're there to pick at you. They're there to discourage you because the moment you get blessed, the moment you become successful, the moment you begin to walk in the purpose that God has for you, you can guarantee the haters, or as Jesus would say, your enemies will expose themselves. Because when we read the Bible, we know that Jesus had his haters. They were called primarily the Pharisees. The Pharisees were haters. We just read in Luke chapter 19 about the triumphal entry that Jesus took when he came into Jerusalem in what we call Passion Week when he would be crucified on Friday but resurrected on Sunday. And as he came into town to all of the shouts of Hosanna and all of the pageantry that he deserved, there were still some haters in the crowd. They were there and in verse 39, they even had the nerve to tell Jesus to tell your disciples to keep that noise down. So as we saw last week when Jesus was telling the parable about the older son as well as the younger son, that we said last week, and not to go too much into this, that the older son was just as prodigal or as away from his father as the younger son was who went out and lived lasciviously. And so he was challenged by the father to come to the celebration because the younger son was dead, but now he is alive again. And they killed the fatted calf and the whole village was there celebrating. But the older son who represented the Pharisees would not come into the house, into the father's house, would not come into the party. And so we see the Pharisees here in real time, 
not just in the midst of a parable personified as the older son, but here when the whole community is having a party and they're celebrating Yeshua, the Messiah. The Pharisees are standing at a distance, hating on what they are seeing take place. And they have the nerve to tell Jesus, to tell his disciples to keep that noise down. But Jesus told them, no, these folks are going to shout because if they don't give up the praise, there's some rocks around here that have a straight up rock concert because I'm worthy of all of this praise. So Jesus said, you may be a party pooper, but you're not pooping this party that I'm in right now. You see, that was a very strong political climate going on. And based on John chapter 11, Jesus had just raised Lazarus from the dead. And because of that, many people chose to believe in Jesus Christ. And the Pharisees, being the haters that they were, they were threatened, intimidated, and jealous over the fact that many people were following this young Jewish rabbi who did not come up through their rabbinical schools, did not have to get their stamp of approval before he took a public place in the community. And so they had angst against Jesus. And so... These haters, these Pharisees, also with the scribes and the Sadducees, known as the Sanhedrin, they plotted to silence Jesus by killing him. So these religious people were planning to murder the Son of God. And so they sent out an APB, an all-points bulletin, that if anyone saw Jesus based on John eleven fifty seven, that they were to seize him. They were to capture him. You see, the climate was so hostile that the people even wondered if Jesus was going to come into Jerusalem for the feast of Passover. And so the people were wondering, according to John chapter 11, verse 56, because they knew of the climate, that it was a murderous climate. And they were wondering, is Jesus actually going to come to town for the Passover? And so God prepared a meal for Jesus in the presence of all of his haters. And it happened at Mary and Martha's house. John chapter 12 tells us about that. Jesus went to a meal that was held in his honor. In a small town called Bethany, which was next to Bethpage, which sat on the hill going down the Mount of Olives leading into Jerusalem, there was a dinner given in his honor. Because if you raise somebody's brother from the dead, they can at least cook a meal for you. And so he came to the meal. And not only was he at the meal, the Bible says that Lazarus was at the meal. Can you imagine the conversation that was going on at that table? But not only that, while Jesus was there and people were speculating because so many Jews were coming from Galilee into Judea to go to Passover, they were wondering if Jesus was in fact going to go into Jerusalem. And somewhere during that meal, he told them that he would be going into Jerusalem. Now, if you recall, when Lazarus was sick and when he died, his disciples, Jesus' disciples, didn't even want him to go back into Judea because he said, Master, they were trying to stone you 
the last time you were there. But Jesus operates on God's timetable. And he knew that on Passover weekend, that it was going to break the norm of what the Jews would do year after year after year on Passover weekend with the Passover lamb. He knew that this was the time for him to be the Passover lamb to give his life for the sins of the world. So now it was time. And by the way, no one would take his life from him, but he would by his own authority lay it down and then take it back up. It was time. And so Jesus is at this meal. The people get the word that he is going to come into Jerusalem. So in great anticipation, they line the streets or the thoroughfare down the Mount of Olives into Jerusalem. And they're ready. They're excited to praise this prophet from Galilee. To praise this person that they believe just might be the king of the Jews. Who just might be the long anticipated Messiah. They are ready and they are hype to praise him. They've got their palm branches as Jonathan said, from the book of Exodus that signifies victory. For when the children of Israel had come out of Egypt and they could not find any water to drink and the water that they did find was bitter until Moses cast uh, some, a tree into the water and made the tree, the water sweet rather, then they were able to drink. Then God led them to a place called Elam that had 70 palm trees. So the palm tree came to be a symbol of victory for the Jewish people. And so they've got their palm branches ready and they're ready to sing and give glory to God for this prophet. And so as Jesus comes, they begin to cry out, Hosanna, or Hosea, Hosea, which means save, save us now, save us, deliver us. And in their mind, the primary reason for deliverance was political deliverance from Rome. We're tired of being the heel of Rome. Lord, save us. And they're quoting from Psalm 118. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosea, save us now. And although there would be praise from the people, this, as I mentioned, was a dangerous environment for Jesus because the haters, the enemies, the murderers were lurking. They were lurking. So while some celebrated his life, others planned on how they could take his life. But Jesus knew what this moment signified. It was his moment. And the Bible says in Psalm 24, verse 7, lift up your heads, O ye gates. Be lifted up, ye everlasting doors. There were doors on the city because there were walls. There were doors. Be lifted up, ye everlasting doors and ye everlasting gates, for the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord God mighty in battle and Jesus would do battle on the cross to save us from our sin yes he's coming back to do battle in the physical realm but first he had to save us spiritually just like when he healed the paralytic he forgave him of his sins then he healed his body 
The Lord has to deal with the spiritual before he deals with the natural and the political. But he's coming again. But thank God he came first as a lamb to be slain. Zechariah 9.9 from the Old Testament. Hundreds of years before Christ came to earth, the prophet said, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout! O daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So they knew what this moment, everyone thought that this was it. He is the one. So why a donkey, Pastor Chris? Well, based on Old Testament antiquity, the judges rode donkeys judges chapter 12 verse 14 the prophets rode donkeys first kings chapter 13 verse 27 and kings rode donkeys first kings chapter 13 verse 13 so prominent people rode donkeys in the jewish custom so riding a donkey signified royalty and even authority but in Jesus' day, donkeys were also associated with people living at or below poverty levels because the donkey was known as a beast of burden. So as Jesus comes in all of his authority as the son of God, he is a God who not only sits high, but he also looks low and he touches those who are destitute. And he comes lowly, humble, because he identifies with broken people who are in need. Whether they have a whole bunch of money or a whole little or a little bit of money, when people see their need for Jesus, he comes low to meet them right where they are. So Jesus, when he came into this town, he knew we got to fulfill scripture. So the first thing he did was he found the donkey. Look at verses 28 through 30. He found this donkey. And as I said, I'd rather be this donkey than one of those Pharisees. So it says, when he had said this, he went up on ahead, going to Jerusalem, and it came to pass, verse 29, when he drew near to Bethpage and Bethany at the mountain called Olivet, that he sent two of his disciples, saying, go into the village opposite you, where as you enter, you will find a colt tied. You will find a donkey. You see, the donkey did not find Jesus. In fact, the donkey wasn't even looking for Jesus. Jesus found the donkey because he was looking for it. And it reminds me of what he said to the disciples. He said, uh, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Isn't it good to be chosen by the Lord? The Bible says that we were dead in our trespasses and in our sin. But because of God's grace and mercy, he made us alive with God through Christ Jesus. So when I would not and I could not have come after Christ, because no one understands, Romans 3 says, and no one seeks after God. God must seek after us and awaken us and bring us back to him. So this donkey and I already from Jump Street, we got something in common. Jesus found this donkey because he knew exactly where this donkey would be. Jesus knows everything. 
He said to Nathaniel, I saw you sitting under the sycamore tree, under the fig tree. And he was like, man, how you know that? You must be the Messiah. Jesus said, you, you're impressed because I knew where you were? Man, you're going to see some greater works than these. So he's omnipresent. He's everywhere. And he's also omniscient. He knows all things. And he knew where that donkey was. And he told his disciples, y'all are going to look for something that you don't even know where it is. So let me tell you, it's in the town opposite of where we are right now because Jesus knew exactly where that donkey was and I'm so glad he knew exactly where I was when he found me. He knew the specific circumstances surrounding the donkey. He said, now when you find it, it's going to be tied up. It's going to be tied to a post. It's going to be bound to a post. And when you also find it, it's going to be owned by another master. But don't let that stop you, though, because I've called it to be with me. And when I call it to be with me, that owner's got to let it go. So Jesus called for this donkey. This donkey's testimony that day, I can, I can hear that donkey if we had testimony service. We walked that donkey right on in, and that donkey would say, well, one day I was lost. And I was bound and tied to a pole. I, I wasn't going anywhere in my life. I, I just was a miserable kind of a donkey. But, but I heard that Jesus called for me. And, and they came and got me. And I came to Christ. And my life was changed in one day. Somebody said, wait a minute, Pastor. Wait a minute, wait a minute, Pastor. Donkeys can't talk, man. <laughs> you need to read your Bible. Yes, they can because in Numbers chapter 22, verses 28 and 30, there was a donkey who had to speak to a man named Balaam. And Balaam was beating on that donkey. And the donkey, the Bible says God opened up the donkey's mouth and allowed the donkey to say back to Balaam, why are you beating on me like this? I've been faithful to you all your life. But little did Balaam know that donkey saved his life. Because the Lord, the angel of the Lord, was standing in the way to destroy Balaam for being a disobedient prophet. Balaam did not see the angel of the Lord, but that donkey did. And when the donkey saw the Lord out there, the donkey said, I'm not going that way. And then Balaam kept beating the donkey to move, and the donkey pushed Balaam's foot up against the wall, and Balaam hit the donkey some more. Then the Lord hit that donkey, boop, made him talk, said, man, will you stop beating on me? I'm saving your life up in here. So yeah, donkeys can talk. And one of the reasons I even came to Nashville was because my father used to watch Hee Haw. That's where I got introduced to Nashville. Rory Clark and the lady with the price tag on every hat that she had and what's her name, Pearl? So I would watch that and that donkey would come on at the beginning, looking all crazy, look around and say, hee-haw, hee-haw. But this donkey that Jesus found, he was so excited, he didn't say, hee-haw. That donkey said, he saw, he saw, he saw. He saw when I was lost. He saw when I was in need of a savior. 
He saw when I needed to be forgiven. He saw when I was tied up and I was bound to a post. He saw that my life was going nowhere. He saw, he saw when I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea, he heard my despairing cry. And from the waters, he lifted me, and now safe am I. Oh, love lifted me. Love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. Where were you when Jesus saw you? Where were you when he found you? Or are you still lost? But I wonder if he found you in church when he found you. Did he find you in a revival when he found you? Did he find you in Sunday school? Is that where you were found by Jesus? Or did he find you in your home, in the privacy of a bedroom where you prayed and asked the Lord to be your savior? Or like me, did he find you in a camp? Or did he find you at vacation Bible school? Somebody may say, Pastor, no, he didn't find me in places like that. No, he found me when I was in the streets. He found me when I was in the hospital. He found me when I was in jail. He found me when I was in the crack house. Matter of fact, he found me when I was in the club. Bottle full of bud. I told this girl, Mama, I got what you need. And so, so he finds you wherever you are. Ain't nothing like being found. So I want to challenge you today over lunch to share your story about when he found you. Why don't you testify to your family? They may know the story. Let them hear it again. You speak it again because there's nothing like being lost and having the Lord find you. And if he can find a donkey, surely he can find you. And you should testify. And somebody would say, you know what? It was on a Monday when he found me. Somebody might say it was on a Tuesday when he found me. Somebody else said, man, it was a Wednesday. Somebody said, man, I got saved on a Thursday. Somebody else said he found me on Friday. And then somebody said, oh, he found me on a Saturday. But a lot of us can say, thank God he found me on Sunday. The point is, have you been found by the master? He's calling. He's calling. So not only did he find that donkey, he then, thank God, loosed that donkey. Verse 30 says, Jesus says, go into the village opposite you, where as you enter, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Loose it and bring it here. Just don't set it free. No, set it free and bring it to me. Because what good is being free if you don't have a relationship with the one who made you free? Matter of fact, you can't even get free because whom the sun sets free is free indeed. So when God looses us from something, he wants us to come near to him because he's loosed us for a purpose. And he loosed that donkey for a purpose. Jesus told the disciples, you will find this donkey. And when you find him, loose him and bring it to me because something had it bound. And back in those days, they would pull up to a tavern or what have you, and they would tie the donkey with a leather strap to a wooden pole or stake. And little did the donkey know that it had the power to really free itself from the stake, but it had been trained ever since it was a little donkey to obey the authority of the owner. 
kind of like when you go to a circus and you see big old elephants. And before the show gets started, they'll have the elephants in the back tent and they'll have a, 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 a chain around the elephant's foot and the chain is tied to a small little stake or post that's in the ground. And if you were to look at that, you would say, how in the world can that small little stake hold that big elephant in the ground? Well, that big elephant wasn't always a big elephant. It was first a small elephant, and that stake was its authority. And it was trained from when it was small that this is your authority, and you can't break free from it. So even when it got bigger, it knew mentally that I am chained to this post, and I can't get free. And many of us, if not all of us, when we were born into this world, we were born chained to something. And we tried to break free. We tried to get out, but it, we, we can't get out. We can't get free until the Lord says, come on, loose that donkey, which sounds a lot like Lazarus, who was dead in the grave, couldn't free himself, but Jesus came and called him by his name and said, Lazarus, come on out of here. And then he said, loose that man and let him go. So Jesus said, loose that donkey from its authority that, that was holding it down and bring it to me. Now, as they were bringing this donkey, I would just wonder what those two disciples were talking about. I wonder which two he sent. Man, what kind of mission is this? We got to leave the party and go find this donkey? Well, sometimes God calls us to preach and go places that a lot of other people don't want to go to reach people that folk think can't be saved. So if God's got a calling on your life to leave some of the parties, to go and minister in the highways and the byways, you go because there's some folk out there waiting for you to come with the words of life. You speak to them. You tell them about how Jesus is calling them by their name. But here's the deal, though. Donkeys are known for being stubborn animals. It's difficult to force a donkey to do what it doesn't want to do. The donkey could have resisted and not went with the two disciples. It could have said, no, nah, I'm not going with y'all. I don't know y'all. But the donkey had more sense than the Pharisees. And the donkey decided to heed the master's call. And it went along with the two disciples back to Jesus and had it resisted it would have missed out on a life altering experience and I just wonder how many of us have been stubborn towards God when God's trying to lead us somewhere and we're like no I'm not going there no I'm not going to do that I'm resisting your spirit I'm quenching his fire of what he's trying to do in my life. I'm grieving him. And I just want to say to you today, stop resisting the spirit. Be smart like this donkey was. But not only did the Lord find this donkey and not only did he loose it, finally, Jesus rode this donkey. Chapter 19, verse 35 says, then they brought him to Jesus and they threw their own clothes on the colt and they set Jesus on him. So Jesus rode this donkey. In other words, he used this donkey. Jesus says, I have need of him. In other words, I have a purpose for this donkey. I have a destiny for this donkey. It can only find its purpose when it comes to me. And I'm going to ride it. I'm going to use this donkey for my glory. But watch this. The Bible says that no one had ever ridden this donkey before. Look at Luke chapter 19, verse 30. 
It says, go into the village opposite you, Jesus said, where as you enter, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Now, that's a near impossibility. Because in that culture, people used donkeys all the time. They saddled donkeys. They rode donkeys. When we think about the birth narrative, Mary rode a donkey. I mean, this culture rode donkeys. So how in the world? Could a donkey be raised from the time it was born to the time it was mature, then had the nerve to have one of its colts with it? So a young donkey was with it. So Jesus said, bring both of them because I ain't trying to break up a family. So, so bring both of them when I'm, when I'm calling them. And no one had ever ridden on either one of them. Now that is a miracle. God says, uh-uh, can nobody sit on this spot here? Because I've reserved this donkey so that my son, the king of all kings, can sit on. And my son, when he's pronouncing his kingship, listen, he's not going to sit anywhere that some man or woman has already sat. You got to hear that now. We're talking about the exclusive authority of Jesus. And God says, when this Cadillac comes off the, the showroom, out of the assembly line, no, ain't nobody going to drive it. Nobody going to sit behind the wheel. No, my son is going to sit behind the wheel first because this is an exclusive right and privilege for the king of the Jews and the king of all kings. No one had ever sat on it because Jesus is not going to sit anywhere that some man has sat to proclaim his kingship. So the father said, as that thing was growing up and them kids try to play with it, he, he probably told that kid, no, you can't sit on this one. No, go sit on another one. You can't sit on that one. He had it picked from eternity past. I believe that because he had me picked and chosen from eternity past. The donkey had enough sense to let Jesus ride it. Now watch this. Because no one had ever ridden this thing, that meant that no one had ever broken this thing. So they kick, and again, they're strong, stubborn animals. But Jesus says, I can break it. I know how to break wild things. Oh, I'm not, I'm not threatened or intimidated by something that bucks. No, 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 no. Jesus wrote this thing, which meant that he broke this thing. And I just wonder, has he broken you yet? I know you wild. I know you rambunctious. I know don't nobody tell you what to do. But Jesus is the king. And we ought to serve him. We ought to submit to him gladly, if not just also having common sense. But I'm going to submit to him. Oh, oh, I remember when he had to break me. He broke me when he broke my leg. Ain't that right, Brother Steele? I'm out there playing football. I'm running with the football, but trying to run after the girls. And the Lord said, I'm a jealous God. I'm a jealous God, Chris. I'm trying to get your attention. But no, nah, I'm chasing skirts at the Christian school. And when that leg got broke, my prayer life developed. I was away from home, didn't have money to get through school now. And so I started talking to the one I should have been talking to before I got broke. Because had I been talking to him before I got broke, he may have let me still play football, be a preacher, and I could have signed a million dollar cut. But anyway, but man, thank God for breaking me. Like David said in Psalm 51, the bones that you have broken, they rejoice. He, he knows how to lovingly break you. This donkey, y'all, I got to tell you this now. As Jesus is riding into Jerusalem, people are going crazy. 
They're singing and praising, singing Hosanna. Oh, this donkey is going in and he's carrying Jesus. This donkey had enough sense to know that the praise that was coming in its direction was not for him. It was for Jesus. The Bible says in Proverbs that you could tell a lot about a person by how they handle praise. We should think of ourselves, Romans 12, with sober judgment. But one way we find out where we are is how we handle praise. Do we soak up praise that is meant for God or do we deflect praise that is meant for God? When somebody says to you, good job on what you did, good job on what you did, do you get the big head or do you remain humble and say, thank you? I know it was the Lord who gave me the strength to do it. And for those of you in this room who may be professional athletes one day, again, make a lot of money and tithe to the Lord at Strong Tower Bible Church. I just want to tell you, at every interview, you don't always have to say, well, first giving honor to God. Uh, Jesus allowed me to catch that touchdown. Because if you are going to say Jesus allowed you to catch that touchdown, then you need to also be over here thanking the Lord for the time. Yeah, I threw that interception, and I want to thank the Lord for that too. Because in everything, give thanks. You never hear them people thank God for the bad stuff. They always thank God. Oh, I'm so glad we won. What about when you lose? But you don't always have to say it before you talk. Live it in your walk. Let your light so shine before men that when they see your good works, they may glorify your Father who is in heaven. Whether you say it or not, let people know. Let them see that anything good in your life, it comes from God. It comes through God to you. This donkey was smart enough to know they ain't praising me. They praising Jesus. This donkey is smarter than most of us. But as I take my seat, I just want to tell you that I was just like this donkey. But Jesus found me. Jesus loosed me and is still loosing me from things that try to hold me captive. Jesus rode me. He's still riding me. He's still using me. And I'm so thankful for that. Proverbs 6 verse 6 says, go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. So if we can learn from an ant, surely we can learn from a donkey. We can consider the donkey's ways and first and foremost, be saved. Let Jesus into your life. And then once he's coming to your life, let him ride you. Let him control it. Don't come to Jesus and then try to do your own thing. Once again, he knows how to break sheep and donkey who go astray. And he'll do it in love. Oh man, just stay with him. Walk with him. Walk with me, Lord. Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this word. Thank you that you used a common beast on a very important day for yourself. You rode that animal into town with its cult following. Thank you, Jesus, that you can use us in the same way. I pray, Lord, that you would use us in a way that is beyond our expectation that will heed your call, that will submit to you, and will say, Lord, get all of the glory through our lives. Do it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, next week, bring a friend. We're going to have an awesome time celebrating our risen Savior.
Miss Jackie Patillo.